0: Welcome to the FinOps Fridays podcast, where we discuss all things FinOps. It's an educational resource to help you learn and build your capability in all things FinOps. We're also here to have fun, so we'll make it entertaining, have a few laughs, and share a few stories. So welcome everyone to the second half of this episode of FinOps Friday, where we're here with Tiago, getting a bit of a global perspective, understanding the Brazilian market a little bit more. Uh, Tiago, we, we caught up to sort of prepare for this show a few weeks ago. You mentioned that the pace at which things change has much changed in a few weeks. Like what has changed in the Brazilian market from a couple of weeks ago when we first spoke? Um... Uh... We, uh, we for, when,
1: whenever we first spoke, uh, I was telling Nathan uh, how historically cheap and historically easy was to hire uh, from uh, you know common labor to over specialized labor, uh, uh, and now we got way too cheap uh so everything changed that's why we were talking about this topic in the very beginning of the show um uh, now it's being hell on earth to hire pretty much everyone in every single open position uh like we 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 said uh we've been uh actually harassed uh by, by uh um uh, richer, uh, countries, uh, uh, pursuing this cheap labor,
0: you know, so that's how fast things can, can change here. You know, uh, what's a practical example uh, like, can you give me an example of, you know, the cost of hiring somebody in a straight out of college university role or what, what's a good way to indicate that and to show how much it's changed?
1: Um, uh, let me, let me think. Um, a senior cloud architect uh, uh, or a senior uh, uh, data engineer, uh, it is to be something around one and a half to two thousand dollars a month uh, for a senior position, uh, something about two or three hundred dollars a month for a junior position and uh now in you were forced to start raising those 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 uh those salaries uh and trying to compete but it's it's unfair competition you know uh whenever you in this scenario uh it's it's totally unfair, you know. You can offer below uh uh below minimum wage from almost any developed country and get as, as much as three developers, you know, from Brazil. So
0: And do people change really yeah, fast? Like you say, so you start a job like this is gonna be my salary. Do people then just keep changing jobs so they get like new salaries all the time as well. Does that happen a lot? Uh,
1: yep, yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, gotcha. So staff so, turnover um, is another problem that you've just got to let the hiring cycle is just ongoing.
1: The turnover uh, in tech here in Brazil it's really,
0: really high, really high. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, all right, on to the next topic: the public sector. Uh, Mm -hmm. So you mentioned, and we sort of briefly discussed previously, that Mm -hmm. the procurement processes in public sector were very, very different. There wasn't a large number of providers and vendors, which sort of stopped a lot of uh, innovation. Can you give me a a brief history of what this previous setup of public sector was like? What that actually resulted in? Uh, Back in 1964,
1: Uh, We had this company called Serpro, uh, and the public sector was only allowed to uh, buy technology from this this company. Uh, So, uh, like I said, we had two new laws, two new procurement uh, laws. Uh, Both are, are, are accepted today, and multiple ways of competing in the public sector uh but things are actually uh converging uh for much more uh, uh, much more of a, uh, a partnership between uh the managed service providers uh that are capable to to uh help the, the government on their on their uh, uh projects uh and now we have uh, this this uh, uh uh the public sector at the, uh, at first uh they 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 noticed that they are dealing with extremely old technology uh because of this this uh central um, mono, monopoly and they got, got uh, caught uh, utilizing poppy uh like two years ago, and they, uh, you know, with all the pandemics and everything else, they they were forced to adopt uh, the cloud really fast, and uh, I think it was a really good uh, approach uh as as long as they uh weren't aware of what they were doing where uh, where they are uh, where they are heading and how to uh especially how to uh uh forecast you know those chaotic costs uh and try to balance the public outcome with the the tangible outcome you know the, the 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 product product or the project itself uh, so uh, we had uh, this emerging uh, uh, public companies. Uh, one of them is called ETICI, Empresa de Tecnologia do Ceará. Uh, they will partner up with with uh, managed service providers that will partner with cloud vendors and with the public sector in order to bring innovation uh, to the to the public sector and. Uh, Just like I said, uh, uh, now uh, the government only had had this this single point of of uh, this the single way to 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 buy technology. Uh, Now we have this clash of titans, you know, AWS and Google uh, through their their uh, managed server uh, service providers and Alongside the, the, the anti, anti-corruption laws, uh, we are observing uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of innovation and pretty much a forced uh, accountability and much more clear process uh, on, the, on the competition and the bidding process uh, from, from buying uh, uh, technology, specifically uh, cloud technology you know, and uh, one thing that's really interesting, uh, you cannot, uh, you know, there's almost a natural way to migrate to the cloud uh, whenever you look to the private sector, you know, uh, lift and shift, then modernizing and everything else. Uh, Whenever you deal with all this chaotic scenario, uh, all this budgeting and forecasting problems, and you need to compete with uh, different players that will also try their very best to 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 get their that uh, those uh, huge government contracts. Uh, uh, Everybody is getting really aggressive on a good way, uh, not just to move to the clouds but modernize. and and create uh, 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 and adopt, I'm sorry, adopt uh, the best cloud native practices uh, in order to keep uh, costs in control, in order to uh, proper uh, uh, utilize uh, modern budget tooling, and uh, also in order to create one single View of the budget system, you know, because it will be hell on earth trying to uh, uh, manage all, uh, you know, legacy systems in the cloud and legacy systems on premise and cloud-native uh, 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 technologies. So uh, it's 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 pretty interesting. We 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 saw a lot of uh, digital transformation, a lot of uh, uh, digital adoption from the public sector uh on a really really good base and on a really really transparent and efficient way i I
0: think yeah yeah Yeah, and in terms of the Mm -hmm. um like so the public sector you had the one company but they seem to just not innovate or do anything whatsoever was the commercial um sector still innovating and moving ahead or was it? Was technology just a bit stagnant across Brazil in both public and private sectors?
1: Uh, it's complicated, uh, like always. It's complicated. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, whenever we're in the middle of a recession, we had this economic, uh, this economic. Uh, uh, how 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 do I say? Uh, Whenever we, we're in the middle of a recession, we have this, this uh, economic phenomenon called uh, uh, crowding out, you know. Uh, the public sector will improve it, it, its expenses uh, yep. in order to keep, uh, you know, in order to mm, uh, get the, the, the GDP and... Uh, and try to st- stimulate the the, the 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 economy itself uh so uh we are able to observe some some shrinking of the the private sector you know uh so i think that the public sector is is, is it's doing quite well on, on this this innovation side but uh just like i told you uh uh the the private the public sector is getting a lot of help from the private sector you know from this this uh, this uh, procurement system that uh, allowed the 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 managed service providers uh, to guide kind of guide the, the, the government into this this digital transformation.
0: Yeah. So and so that was one thing we spoke about before as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you basically had to be forced, you know, you, you know, you couldn't purchase, you know, a notebook and you know, everything mm-hmm. had to be cloud. It was basically forced through that much more innovative way and forced that modernization. Uh, yeah, everything was, uh, everything was
1: so expensive and so bureaucratic, uh, you know, on adopting new technologies, uh, whenever you, you you uh, uh, whenever you try to 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 compare uh, adopting a public cloud uh, with the help of a a managed service provider uh, and actually setting your goals and this managed service provider being accountable for delivering those goals uh, it's a no-brainer on buying a bunch of computers or even a notebook for the for the government uh you know they they everything is so hard and bureaucratic that they i think they just gave up on 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 being uh on premise and 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 dealing with outdated stuff you know uh yeah my theory is just that uh they, they just can't handle anymore. They, they are now. Uh, uh, the government is now uh, trying to 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 shorten this 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 technology gap and trying to, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, we've been we've been forced. Uh, the government be, uh, have been forced not forced, uh, but it's you didn't have to go through this bureaucratic process or even a bidding process uh, whenever you buy from Serpro, uh, so yep. Serpro had no incentive in 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 uh, 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 supplying uh, great new technology. Uh, and now uh, Serpro still exists. Uh, many government uh, agencies are still able to buy. Uh, in that way from Cypro uh, but I think that the the, the maturity of the, the the government itself and even uh, when when their intentions are not so good you know when they are trying to uh, perpetuate their uh, their uh, um, uh,
0: or just like they, what they,
1: they want to perpetuate themselves in the in the, in the, the government itself. Uh, they yep, just yep. notice that uh, if they are not providing uh, good uh, public services with good uh, public outcome, uh, without so much corruption, without so many outdated technology, even if it's if even if the motivation itself it's not that noble, you know. Uh,
0: we, we end up in this, 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 this scenario. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. All right, uh, we're gonna take a quick break for the mailbag. This is where we read the questions uh, and feedback you have from previous episodes. We'll pop them in here, so we'll shout across to the mailbag. All right, and welcome to the mailbag. This is for the previous episode we had with Ali Whitman around gamification. So, the first question How do you determine what activity or operational process is best fit for gamification? Uh, for this, I'd make sure it's the same as picking a good candidate for you know, a proof of concept or a workload, something like that. You want to make sure that there is some meaningful component to it. It matters that you're successful with this one, but of course, you want to sort of gauge that and limit the impact of the business if it wasn't uh, something successful. So, make sure it's meaningful, but maybe not absolutely critical in case there are some issues. Um, and I'd also say, you know, this is about doing things differently, making things fun. So, make sure it's something that makes the lives of the participants better. You don't wanna try and make a fun activity around something that just doesn't impact them or has no bearing on their day to day work life as well. So, a meaningful uh, application, workload process that makes their lives easier. Uh, are there particular gamification platforms that would be recommended? Uh, look towards your vendors. They may have some things set up, some nice little game days that they've run before. That's probably the quickest and easiest way to get a head start there. But uh, probably the message here is to not get too worried. Start small, look for the outcomes. Let's not burden or make this too much of an administrative overhead when you're starting out. Something small, something neat and easy focus more on the outcomes. Once you've got a couple under your belt, then start to get a little bit more fancy in terms of tracking uh, and the actual setup as well. What are the other things you can do to drive accountability across teams? Uh, you mentioned recognition and publicity. Um, if there's challenges, opportunities, and you want to increase the accountability, uh, some techniques are you know making that particular team's problem to solve, you know, you've raised some concerns, okay, this is now your task to actually solve. Uh, if you've got multiple teams with problems, maybe you want to swap problems amongst the teams so that not only the team solving the problems, but they're solving them for the other teams, you're actually contributing, making your fellow team's lives a little bit better. Um, if you're lacking the accountability, make sure you've got a good, strong and communicated visioning and understanding. If there isn't an accountability, Why isn't it there? Do they understand the why, the vision as to what is lacking there? Uh, And then of course there's the more generic FinOps components, things like transparency, things like visibility. Is it an actual accountability issue or do they not really have enough visibility as to what uh, they should be doing or what some of the issues are? Is gamification primarily focused on optimizing costs? Uh, The quick and the easy answer is no, absolutely not. You can gamify anything at all across your business. Look at some of the drivers as to why you're doing cloud. Maybe it's innovation. How can we release features faster? Maybe that's a great way to gamify something that is a benefit to the business and also highly motivating to the users as well. Uh, So look at your drivers, why you're going to the cloud, what are some of the things that the business is looking to get out of and also some of the things that the employees if this is a great place to work because of the innovation because of the new technology maybe you want to gamify that a little bit more and also look at your people's pain points what is hampering them you know what we discussed in the first question there you want to make the lives of your participants much much better and make sure that it's actually enjoyable and meaningful for them How are you developing your benchmarks for gamifying costs and value uh, generation? So I would be a little bit careful here. You know, gamification should be something different, should be unique. You don't wanna sort of blur it too much with BAU because then it just becomes regular work. You wanna have this as very much a separate event or separate item. So don't try and sort of put too many constraints or measures markers on it. Uh, you know, Don't put a metric on fun as much as possible. If you want to put metrics on the gamification, then do it on the actual gamification component. You know, measure people's happiness, the success of the event or the actual work. Don't necessarily put uh, metrics on the tasks or the outcomes as you would with any other task. So that is it for today's uh, mailbag. If you've got any questions, any feedback, please feel free to reach out to us. Feedback at finopsfridays.com. Back to the show. All right, and welcome back. Uh, We have the last topic here. Let's talk about budgeting. Uh, Brazil, it is such a complex environment to work in. You've got the high inflation, you've got changes in currency conversions. You know, your cloud bill may come in as a different uh, currency. And even if it comes in, in the local currency, how did that conversion happen? How do you know? How is it possible to actually manage a budget? The cost of cloud can vary due to multiple external factors that you've got no control of. So how do you actually make a budget? How do you track to it? How the heck do you do budgeting in Brazil? Uh, you know, uh, forecasting forecasting needs to be uh,
1: extremely accurate. Extremely, uh, uh, you know, tracking uh, needs to be really sophisticated and on the uh, architectural side, uh, you know, whenever uh, someone in FinOps Foundation is talking about uh, preemptible VMs in order to uh, save some some, some bucks, uh, I'm go like, you know, preemptible VMs, it's, it's kind of the, the rule here, you know, you, you're not allowed to choose to anything else, you need you uh you know do whatever you need to do with, with whatever you have you know so uh all this chaos monkey buzzwords you know we've been there because we had to you know uh, uh you know spot stances and creating uh event-driven uh, uh architectures and uh Taking care of the security and best practices in order to not be uh, 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 not to be surprised by a huge bill. Uh, it was just like I told you in the very beginning of the episode. episode. Uh, FinOps adoption is it's really weird here. Uh, you know, it's not. It, it won't follow the the FinOps framework. Uh, it will follow uh some survival kind of guidelines you know it's 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 complicated uh i think uh you know all this 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 uh shift you know uh uh having multi-disciplinary teams uh working together and building wonderful things together it's kind of way too far for uh for us uh, it'll be someone just saying uh, you need to be on budget, or uh, or else you will be fired, or uh, this <laughs> this company will be bankrupted, bankrupted, and nobody will save it. Uh, so it's it's it's.
0: It's more of a Hunger Games approach. That yeah. it is pure, like whatever you need to do to survive maturity levels, etc. It, it doesn't matter. It comes down to survival only. Yeah,
1: maturity levels. Uh, pretty much do not work on such, such a chaotic scenario, you know, double-digit inflation rate, double-digit uh, interest rate and double-digit uh, uh, exchange rate uh, uh,
0: devaluation. That, that's, you know, that's what's happening in Russia right now, you know. And Yeah, exactly. You've been living it for years and years. Um, do you get odd things like you get billed monthly, that the cost of running something at the start of the month is going to be different at the end of the month? Has there ever been patterns where hey, these are things we do at the end of month at the start of the month because it's effectively going to be cheaper?
1: Definitely. Uh, and sometimes not, not just cheaper, Nathan. Uh, we, we, we need some uh, predictability So uh, I promise you that I won't deep dive on tech stuff, but I have to on this on this very topic. Um, You know, whenever it comes for a API gateway pattern, you know, or a a event driven pattern, uh, sometimes it's. I know that our base base basal cost uh, for creating a API an, an API gateway uh, inside Kubernetes. Uh, it'll be uh, 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 higher than than adopting all uh, you know no ops, uh, fully managed you know uh, kind of stuff. Uh, that's wonderful, but you know when you create something that you can uh, control uh, how uh, your service will uh uh how much uh will cost the scalability and whenever you can predict your uh your sla and slo and uh fit that inside a budget uh will definitely uh uh um affect your architecture you know uh from a from a from a baseline from an american startup perspective you know, all the serverless uh, uh, architecture with uh, scale to zero makes perfect sense. Uh, But things are a little different here, you know, when when we need more, when predictability is more important than uh, just cutting costs. That's why I really like uh, that quote from, from JR and from, everybody on the community it's not uh uh finops not it's not just about cutting costs you know it's finance optimization and finance optimization is not always cutting costs uh, sometimes you need predictability you need to improve your forecasts you need to uh, act much more strategically even if it costs a little bit more if things are a little bit more complicated to create and to develop on the on the short
0: term gotcha gotcha um and so you're saying there that you'll actually trade off uh and reduce the arc uh, the system's throughput to be able to maintain costs is that something that's commonly done as well uh, pretty much yes uh uh,
1: me and my colleagues, we dis- we discuss that all the time. You know, all the the, the trade-offs on uh, having this this uh, kind of uh, brand new approach, this serverless approach, or this this k 2 zero approach. Uh, it's it's something really. Uh, you know, let's think together whenever you have just the cloud cost to, to, uh, uh, to control and forecast, uh, forecasting a fully-managed service is really painful. Whenever you have yeah. to uh, forecast uh, uh, fully-managed services and inflation and uh, interest rate and, and exchange devaluation, uh, things are sometimes just un- unbearable. They, they, it's it's not feasible, you know. You need to yeah, bring yeah. to a much more straightforward approach. You know, I'm achieving quite the sam- same thing, you know, creating my own API gateway, utilizing uh, Kubernetes. Uh, you know, it won't scale to zero. It will cost a little bit more on the short term uh, but yep. you know, make things much more easier to, to forecast and to
0: uh,
1: to control, you know, on the long run.
0: Gotcha, gotcha, that that long term. And that's sort of why you know, when I did the, the Well-Architected, everyone was saying, you know, you just need to become elastic, need to become elastic. And I sort of separate that, well, it's sort of two parts, you manage the demand which can be throttling, which can be buffering, like smooth the demand out so you're not getting those cost peaks and then match the supply to that demand. Look at it as a two part problem, not just look at what's coming in and throw resources at it, actually think about what's coming in and what your limitations are around on those inputs as well, yeah. Excellent, so that is it for today's episode of FinOps Fridays. Uh, as I said before, you've got any feedback, any questions, you can pop us an email, feedback at finopsfridays.com. And thank you very much from our guest from Brazil, Tiago. Thank you very much for the, uh, for the invite. And it was
1: really nice to share some, some thoughts uh, on, on Brazilian economic history on our uh, chaotic incentive, uh, economic incentive systems, and even uh, on those uh, architectural patterns that we were uh, uh, forced to adopt, even if, if it sounds like a, a, a
0: counter census. Exactly, in any pattern. Excellent. Thank you very much, Tiago. Thank you. So that is it for another episode of FinOps Fridays. If you have any questions or feedback on this episode or would like to learn more, please feel free to reach out to us at finopsfridays at aptio.com. Also like and subscribe to get updates for future episodes.